Hi, my name is Cam Merch. Uh, I'm sponsored by Tree Love, and you're listening to the Chain Clangers Podcast. You're listening to the Chain Clankers Podcast with your hosts, Quinn Ferris and Horatio Gonzalez. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Chain Clankers Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Ferris, here joined, as always, with Horatio Gonzalez. we got another fantastic episode for you guys today. Horatio, what can the people expect from today's episode? So this episode was really fun. We talked to Kat. She is kind of on that early stage of pro disc golfer. She's got a few sponsors. We talked about how she got her sponsors and how that's helping out in her career. We talked a lot about mindset, about um, how to stay in control when you're playing a match or even during your career after you leave the disc golf course and how to stay, stay in a positive mindset to want to continue pursuing your dreams which is definitely one thing that she is wanting to do is to pursue disc golf as a profession. And so she talks about that. And I think it's if for a lot of ladies out there who maybe um, are thinking about going on tour or going on some uh, bigger tournaments, this one's a really good one to listen to. She gives a lot of good pointers, but stay tuned, listen to all the way. This one's a little shorter than last week's. So it'll be a fun one. And with that, let's get to it. What is going on, everyone? We are sitting down here with Kat, a incredible disc golf player, someone that we've definitely been watching as of recent and arguably has one of the best names out there in disc golf right now. I really like it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it during the intro. Super excited to be talking to her. She is one of those gals who I really think, I mean, just looking at her rating right now, she's sitting at a 986, almost 900. This is somebody who's competing in the disc golf pro tour, getting better each and every single weekend. So we're super excited to talk to her today. So Kat, I guess we want to start this interview off and we just kind of want to start with where did your disc golf journey begin? How old were you? when you started playing disc golf what inevitably led you to play disc golf in the first place man so I was probably about 13 or 14 when I found out what disc golf was I was living with my dad at the time and me and my brother are very competitive and we kind of had a buddy who introduced us to us his name was Brad and he just brought us out to a course and handed some frisbees to us and of course, me and my brother just started playing against each other. We found out that we're kind of good at it, and then we just kept going with it. Nice. That's awesome. So then uh, how long then have you been playing disc golf now? See, that was in the summer of 2016, so a little over four years. Okay, okay, nice, nice. So I guess, you know, playing for four years – Obviously, now you've been able to go to some big-time events, including the D-Glow this, this year in 2020. You know, how did you go from just kind of slanging some discs with your brother to becoming someone who's on the tour, someone who's competing at a very high level at these disc golf tournaments? What, how, how, I guess, long into your career were you when you decided to play your first tournament? <laughs> so, like two months after I started playing, I went and played my first tournament. And I played against a girl named Autumn. I remember her name because it was kind of a special tournament for me. I found something I was good at, and I was just determined to get better. And 
little after little and piece after piecing it together, I'm here and I'm here. Yeah. What were some things you learned in that first tournament or if you can remember? Don't go for shots that have OB like five feet behind the basket. That yeah. was a big one for me. Yeah. Would you also, I guess, be able to um, maybe apply that to, I don't know. I know myself personally in my game, I'm someone where if I can, I'm absolutely going to run that putt and I'm going to try to put it in the chains and clank those things. But did was maybe something you took away from that. Maybe you shouldn't always run it and maybe it is smarter to lay it up. It really depends on what position you're in uh, physically and mentally. Mentally, if you feel like you can do it, you, you should do it. If you don't, I mean, you give up that stroke and you move on to the next hole, you know? It's just this little game you got to play with yourself. How, how, I guess, when you decide to do that, how often do you choose to run it comparatively to just laying it up? Or is it more of literally just a case-by-case -case basis for you? Case-by-case. Case. It's a work in progress, a lesson of learning. Do you think that to be competitive or to play something like these uh, big events that you have to be more aggressive and run a lot of more of those putts, even if you think you might not be as comfortable with them, do you think a lot of these players to keep up with them, you have to be a lot more aggressive? I do think that, especially in the FPO field, because there are a lot of elite women at the top and you have to fight your way to get up there. Yeah. How would you, I guess, describe your journey kind of climbing through that FPO field? Because especially right now, you know, it looks as though Paige Pierce on the, at least on tour has things absolutely locked down for winning the tournaments, but I feel as though there's so much more to just winning a tournament. I feel as though you playing in a tournament, you can get so much better and improve your game. Have you been able to see that in your own game? I have. I, uh, I've noticed I've started throwing discs farther. My distance has gotten a little bit better. And that's weird because I always thought I threw really good when I was just at home and playing local tournaments. But being out there and playing with them, you kind of have to match the field. You kind of have to change things up. You have to play a little bit different because you're on a higher level of playing. You're with the elite. Yeah. How do you see some of those players like Paige Pierce or Haley King? Does it kind of motivate you or does that competitiveness come out? Seeing how the well. Competitive, uh, the competitiveness really comes out. Paige Pierce has set the bar for the FPO field and it's just, I want to tap it. Like I just want to grab it. Yeah. And I feel like it's very feasible and anybody can do it, but you got to work hard enough for it. What do you think, I guess, in your own game, needs to improve the most in order to get to a level of competing in those tournaments, being on lead card, competing with Paige going down the stretch, eventually beating Paige and grabbing some of those pro tour wins. Putting. I, I mean, I feel as though everyone can yeah. uh, definitely say putting. I know myself. I feel like myself, uh, at least a couple weekends ago, I mean, I was putting literally every single day. I was feeling so good. And then I haven't practiced putting in like, a week and a half and I feel like I cannot make a putt outside of 15 feet right now so I guess what where where is it putting that you feel as though you need to improve at and I guess what are you doing to maybe do that and how can listeners at home also be able to do that well the edge of the circle has always been kind of iffy for me 
So I try and get at least about 50 to 100 putts there, you know, just in one session. Multiple sessions of putting through throughout the day is really good. And it doesn't have to be for very long spurts, you know. It can just be for a 15-minute, you know, go make this many putts. You can go inside and eat, little little stuff like that. Okay, yeah. And I know sometimes we talk about field work and being very specific with what you're doing in field work and not just going out there and throwing your arm out. Um, yeah. I think it's really important also with putting. So when you go out with putting, do you just sit there at edge circle and just, just practice your putt or do you focus on your form, focus on your release, focus on just the whole thing or do you try to focus on one thing at a time? It really depends on the day because there's a lot of key opponents to putting. But the one thing about putting is that it never changes. Um, when I go out there, I probably set up about 15 feet and chunk about 25 at it and then move back, then move back. And when I feel comfortable, like when I feel like it's starting to become money putts, you know, those long circle two putts, I'll move around and start testing, put myself in a mental position like this is for the win or something, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. that's something that is pretty important because – I was listening to something else. I can't remember if it was coverage or maybe it's a video or something like that. And a question that was asked or something that was talked about was, you know, how do you put yourself in those pressure situations to nail a 30 foot circles edge putt to win a tournament or to, you know, gain a stroke on somebody you, you know, you need to, you know, those high pressure situations. So do you have a method for practicing those high pressure situations? Because I know for myself, I can tell myself this is for the win or whatever, but if I miss, I know at the end of the day, nothing actually changes. I just missed a putt I should have made in practice. So is there a way that you've been able to put yourself in that mind space to create those high pressure situations? Or is it something where you just have to play tournaments and that's really the only way to put yourself in those high pressure situations? You do kind of have to play tournaments, but it also depends on the type of person. And uh, many people have different, many men, different mentalities. So, but I think playing the tournaments and getting in those situations, being forced into those situations is good for the mind, especially during practice. It teaches you how to handle peer pressure. Do you play the, like, let's say you play a local tournament, like in your area, the same way mentally that you would a big tournament, like D-Glow or something like that? Mm-hmm. I do. I played a doubles event when I came back from Ledgestone. And I kind of put myself in that mental situation yeah i think that's really important and something that you kind of have to do in order to i don't know get better at it because i feel as though at least for, uh, i'll speak for myself ratio you can disagree with me uh if if you do obviously but i feel as though every tournament i've played i've been pissed at myself during the tournament and i'm like i don't ever want to play a tournament again uh, why am i playing <laughs> this i'm so bad at disc golf why did i sign up to do this but then after it i just noticed that my game has gotten better and it, i cannot explain why it has except i do think that those pressure situations allow for you to get better and so i think that's an interesting subject that we were talking about that you know you have to put yourself in those pressure situations it's not just always a mental thing to do but kind of moving on from that i do want to talk a little bit about the tour so far this year mm -hmm. you know, 
this year we saw you at the Ledgestone Insurance Open. We also saw you at D-Glow. So I guess, could you kind of talk a little bit about those two events? I mean, we saw that you were at the Preserve as well. The Preserve being your best finish at 13th on tour, which is very good. You know, what are those events like? How is one of those tournaments maybe different than something that is like a B tier that's kind of near home? Well, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a dream when you're out there. Yeah, I'm I'm young, so I got to I got to watch these girls that I'm competing against now like play. I've got to see their games change. So for me to go out there and compete against them and do kind of okay, it's almost euphoric, you know. It's very relieving. Like, hey, I can do this. I yeah. I have a chance. I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about tour. Like, so you've picked, those are pretty big events. Um, Maybe just for some listeners that are at maybe at the level you are, or they feel like they're really good and they can compete with those other girls. And maybe financially they don't have the means to go to those events or they don't have, they don't feel like they could compete at those events. So maybe they're not going out there, but they definitely could compete. Um, What are some things that have pushed you, to go out there and do, because you're not touring full-time, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. So, like, to so I, I want to talk about that, because I feel like there's a lot of disc golfers in that kind of situation. Like, we see the pros on TV and who, they, they live in a van or they're camping, you know, they're doing mm-hmm. it full-time. Not everybody can do that, but there's a lot of good players, like yourself, who can be out there competing every weekend, but for one reason or the other, they can't be doing that. How do you mm-hmm. pick the events that you're going to, or what is your goal going forward? Do you want to go on, on tour full-time or just talk a little bit on that? Personally, I'd like to go on tour for full-time because I know I can do this. I've been training to do this and it's a dream of mine. This nomad lifestyle of disc golf is very appealing to me. Um, yeah. And for the people who, you know, think of the finances or, well, where am I going to stay? How am I going to do this and how that? It's just they worry too much and then they throw themselves into kind of a little bit of a panic, you know? You can't really do that. You just, you got to reach out and grab it because someone else will. And if you don't, you just missed up an opportunity. It's really about the want and the desire to do it. I think that's something that separates you know, the folk like yourself and like the other up and comers right now who want to be successful on tour, want to, you know, potentially, or at the very least try to go be a Paul Macbeth, a Paige Pierce, something like that to the guys who, you know, always play in rec all maybe they play in intermediate they don't really travel a whole lot they just co-play disc golf for fun. So I guess what was it inside you, you know, I know you said that you know, you saw that you were really good at it, but was it maybe the moment that you first got your sponsor? You know, what was the first moment, I guess, where you were like, I am good enough and I can go on tour and then, you know, playing those couple of tour events. Was it, was it always something, I guess, where you were like, you know, I am going to go on tour. That's the end destination. Or has it, you know, okay, I I played a tournament on tour. You know, this is something I can do. I think I can achieve this. This is something now I want to go do full time. So I used to like linger on the thoughts of going and playing tournaments far away because I'm an anxious person. It's something I deal with, but uh, I'd get anxious about it. 
like I would say, worry about it and then be like, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do it. But I always had something inside me kind of like, you can do it. You just got to go do it. Now, Silver Cup, after my first round, I kind of had this like click and I was like, whoa, I just beat Paige Pierce in one round by one stroke. I'm pretty sure I could do it. So I used that to motivate me and keep me going. It's just a one. It's a desire. And what are some things maybe right now you say you want to make, that's your end goal. What are some things that um, other people that maybe want to also go to or full time, things that you can uh, work on or things to do in your life to make that possible? Finding peace within yourself. Um, We are in a very difficult time just as it is. So a lot of people have had a lot of time to sit down and think and probably stress themselves out. You got to let go of the negativity within your life. You got to, you got to push all that bad stuff out and you really got to work on yourself to have a good disc golf mental game. In my opinion, you have to be okay with yourself outside of disc golf mentally. So it's, it's up here. So what you got to work on the most and then your game, obviously. I think that's a really interesting comment. And something maybe I don't think I've thought of myself and how, you know, your mental uh, thought throughout disc golf and outside of disc golf can affect your play, can affect your game. And something that I thought was interesting, I don't know if uh, you watched the coverage this past weekend for the disc golf pro tour, but I didn't notice it then. But when I watched the Jomez coverage this morning for the final round, Paul McBeth, he missed a putt that he absolutely had to have in, in the final round. I think it was on like hole 14 or something like that. Absolutely missed it. He missed it low. But instead of telling himself he sucked or he was bad or, you know, being self-deprecating instead, he was like, the tailwind is back here. It you still have to throw it up. You still have to throw it higher. So it reaches the basket. You can't rely on the wind. Like instead of being mean towards himself, he was instead coaching himself to be better on the next hole. Is that something that you found yourself doing more? I know that's something I'm definitely going to find myself doing more. Yeah. Hopefully it'll lead to, you know, more positive results, but I definitely have noticed every time I've been like, bro, you're trash. Why are you doing this? Like my game immediately takes a massive hit. Is that something that you've noticed as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll throw like a tee shot that just for no reason I'll throw it. and It's completely the wrong tee shot. I'll just be like, why? That's that's not even the right disc. That's the first time you've ever thrown that disc on this hole. Let's not do that again. Pick it up, take take the stroke, and go on. It's, it's a little bit of self-discipline, but it's not too bad. It's not to the point where you're just like, you have to make it. You beating yourself down with logic is not the best thing to do. You just have to accept the fact that you, you know, messed up, learn from it, and move on. And not a lot of people can do that. Are you still able to go out with your friends and play for fun, or are you always in game mode and always just wanting to get better? Because I know once you get to a competitive level and wanting to compete with the pros, it gets tougher to do that. How are you able to switch that off? Um... I guess having fun in my tournament rounds. I guess trying not to be too too uppity. Well, not uppity, but too mean to myself, too serious. I try and stay positive and happy because it does reflect off as me as a person. How I play reflects me as a person. 
yeah. if that makes sense. I, no, that makes that makes sense. And I mean, I think at least for Asia now, we can apply this to uh, the last tournament we played in. We had a guy on our card who was not necessarily – I don't know if he wasn't not positive, but he definitely was just saying some things that he probably shouldn't have been saying on the disc golf course. And, Oops. I mean, I decided to, instead of focusing on my game, I decided to troll him instead, which was probably bad for my own game. But, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but I do think that's a good point that, you know, how you act on the disc golf course does also kind of reflect who you are as a person. And that, it, at the end of the day, I know we talked about it with Logan Harpool on one of our interviews. It's just disc golf. Um, you know, you shouldn't take yourself incredibly so seriously that you – not necessarily ruin your reputation, but become someone you're not. So I'm glad you said yeah. that. And I thought that was really interesting. Before we get into the ACE round questions, I do want to talk about your sponsors. Looking at your Instagram page, which you can go follow, it's the underscore legit underscore cat. Definitely go do that. I see four sponsors on there, but the one that at least I know the most is Team Foundation. Um, so I guess talk about, you know, how did you get on with all these sponsors? What did it take? Did you just, you know, email them and they emailed you back or they scouting you, you know, how, how did that process go? I got hungry for uh, success. So I'm not a go out and get it person, believe it or not. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to be like, Hey, I, I play, I'd like to pick you up as a sponsor. It's hard for me to do that, but I did it. And they they liked it. They accepted me. I actually had a FaceTime conference with Foundation, which is the first time I've ever had that. And I was super nervous, but they liked me. So I got picked up. It's just working towards working towards something for yourself. You got to go out and get it. Nice. Nice. Do you, have, do, you, do you have a little fight back or I guess not fight back, but um, with family or friends, you're trying to you're trying to fight for this, I guess, for this dream for yourself to go on tour full time and to play full time, like as a career, basically, is there, do you have any negativity or how do you handle that with people who maybe don't think it's a real thing? I handle it with just going, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And just leave. Just giving them short answers, giving them the benefit of the doubt because I can't sit here and explain to someone exactly what I do who has never even played around a disc golf, never been around the community, because it is a community. It's a very different vibe. It's a big, happy family of Frisbee chuckers. And not a lot of people understand that. Yeah. So just got to give them the benefit of the doubt and keep doing you. Yeah, I think that's a great comment. I know uh, some of my friends back home, one of their – uh, one, of, one of the folk that they're close to uh, decided to ask me why I like disc golf and instead of actually listening to my answer would immediately cut me off trash me for it and was just overall being an unquality person uh, about the thing so I think it is I think that answer was really good because there are those people like that person who I'm not going to go into too much more detail about that is just this is stupid why are you doing disc golf disc golf isn't a real thing and then there's the other people yeah. who actually go out and play disc golf i've literally seen people who trash on disc golf go play around and then their entire attitude about disc golf is topsy-turvy um yeah. so uh, is there any other strategy that you have for maybe convincing people like that to go out and play around or is it just a hey you know what it is what it is 
I'm moving on. I don't really care what you have to say. Uh, if it's if it's a negative negative guy, then I'll move on. But if it's someone, I'll, I'll be like, do you want to go out and play? Maybe just go putt and stuff. But the majority of the time, people just want to see the world burn. You know? Yeah. They uh, they don't like it when other people are happy doing them doing themselves. You know. And I think that's one of the more most enticing things or like one of the cool things about disc golf is the community you talked about or one thing that lures people in or kids or maybe people that don't necessarily have a lot of friends or, you know, whatever. Once you yeah. go play in a local league or with other disc golfers, for the most part, everybody is super nice. Everybody yeah. wants to help you. Everybody wants to take care of you. And I imagine it's that way on tour. So if you're from somewhere where maybe people are very negative like that, once the world burn and you can go out on tour and you just hang out with people that all they want to do is hang out and play disc golf. Like, why would you not want to do that? And yeah. I don't know. That's pretty I mean, cool. yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense to me. Um, Horatio, are you ready for the ACE round questions? Are you yeah. ready? Ooh, 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 that was good. I don't, I don't know if I'm even ready. We'll, we'll find out. Let's, let's start here. Let's start with the first one. If you're going out to take maybe one of those people who want to watch the world burn or maybe somebody who actually does care a little bit about disc golf, it's the first time ever playing, what three discs are you going to recommend to them? So what is the number one putter? What is the number one mid-range? And what is the number one driver that you're going to recommend to them? Well... A putter, probably going to just be a classic ABR. They're versatile. Anybody can use them. A mid-range, probably a mm, a Mako 3, something glidey, cool. something flippy, and a DX Leopard, something yeah. like that. But you're not going to go out there and hand them, hey, here's this uh, Firebird. It's great. Yeah. Here you go. Have fun with that. Yeah. I think it definitely helps knowing a little bit once you start – and seeing people throw and giving them a disc that you know is going to be forgiving, especially if they've never played before, and they're going to get a pretty clean shot because then their eyes just open up, and they're like, wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. So. Yeah. All right, question number two. The favorite course you have played and the number one course on your bucket list? Harmony Bends is definitely number one on my list. Uh, it's like climbing a mountain in a forest if that makes sense it's just very pretty and i don't know i don't really have any bucket list courses the vermont course looks really good it's very yeah, green that, looks peaceful beautiful yeah. yeah it really did our third question if you could go back in time to yourself or maybe you can just apply it to someone who's brand new what is the number one tip that you would give them just starting out playing disc golf have fun and be nice to yourself. Like if you're going to have a bad shot, don't be like, oh, dang, I suck. You just got to shake it off. You got to wiggle a little bit, wiggle it off. Just relax is all. Okay. Okay, number four. That was number four, right? Yeah. Uh, your favorite memory playing disc golf? <laughs> It was in Louisiana. It was the first tournament that I ever played women's intermediate. I got third, but uh, I busted my ankle that tournament at a trampoline park. But the day before I did that, um, we were we were on a golf cart for some reason, just going there a hole, and we hit this big bump. And they, I let all the girls sit up there because I'm nice, and uh, I was on the back like holding on. So we hit this bump, and it just goes 
bam, and I fly off the back of the golf cart, and they didn't even notice, so they're just trucking along, and I'm rolling in the bag, it's like, hey, oh, hey. No. That's it was awful. great, it was great. <laughs> I can only imagine being a spectator to that and just seeing that happen and be like, bro, you're, you're leaving them behind. No, come back, <laughs> come back. All right, let's get on to this last one. What is your goal? I think I know this answer, but what is your goal moving forward in disc golf? Definitely to be the elite of the elite. I, uh, I want to be up there. I want to be a big dog. I think I can do it. I want to see cat merch up on that leaderboard a lot. And I know I can do it. And I also want to, I want to be a big advocate for the younger female players. I've met some, some nice young ladies that have a lot of heart and that can do something that have just touched me so deeply in a way that I want to, I want to make them proud. I want to show them that they can do it, be that light for them. Nice. I think that's awesome. And I think that's a great way to wrap this yeah, show up, yeah. to be honest. I, I, you know what? I truly look forward to seeing your name up on those leaderboards. I look forward to hearing Valerie Jenkins calling your name on the Disc Golf Pro Tour coverage. Uh, Kat, to sink the putt to win the championship, that would be absolutely incredible. We know you'll be there in no time as long as you keep that attitude and keep working towards it. Kat, we really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, do you have any final words you want to say, any sponsors you want to thank or anything like that sure. before we get out of here? I just want to thank the people and thank you guys for letting me come on here. This was really fun. This is like, this is the first podcast that I've been invited to and I've had a good time. I hope I wasn't too awkward. Words are hard. Thank you for listening to the Chain Clankers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us from so you never miss another episode.